Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 120. Hey, hey, mamas. We are so happy to have you back to listen to another one of our podcast episodes. This is a great episode, especially if you have a child with ADHD or other kind of stress or stuff going on in their lives, which whose child doesn't have stress going on in their lives, as we talk with Janine Halloran about coping skills for children that are dealing with stress or anxiety or other mental health type issues. She offers great tips that are perfect for any mom looking for some coping mechanisms for their children and um, just is just full of insights and resources. We know you're going to love this episode and hope you'll share it with all your friends. Speaking of sharing, we would really love it if you would hop over to um, iTunes and help us share the message about our podcast by sharing the iTunes link or by leaving us a review. It would really help us find more moms who might be interested in our podcast. Okay, before we get on with the show, just a quick note about sponsorship. Today's episode is sponsored by the Write, Publish, Sell Academy. This is a membership site for new and aspiring authors who are writing, publishing, and selling a book and need some extra help and guidance to get them through the process. It's a very low-cost, high-value alternative for people who may not be able to afford to work with a coach or don't have the time to figure out all the ins and outs of the publishing industry. Check it out. At um, and you can get all the information on our website at losethecape.com forward slash WPS Academy. If you want to uh, get any of the links that we mentioned in the podcast, please head on over to losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 120. Welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast, where we interview busy modern moms, moms making a splash in the world, making changes, making things better, and people who support moms in our daily struggle of the juggle. Today, we are super, super excited to talk to Janine Halloran, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Coping Skills for Kids. You should recognize that name because she has been one of our sponsors, and we have been happily sharing her content and information because coping skills for children is something uh, adults can benefit from tremendously. <laughs> if your kids can cope, we can all cope, right? Yeah. Uh, through Coping Skills for Kids, she provides products for parents to help their kids cope with stress, anxiety, and anger in healthy ways. She's a licensed mental health counselor and has been working with children, adolescents, and their families for over 15 years. She's also a mom to two elementary school-aged children, so when I say she gets it, she gets it because she is right there with us. Uh, she's written for Confident Parents, Confident Kids, Hey Sigmund, and Bay State Parent Magazine. She's also been interviewed by the Boston Globe and, and on on the We Tuned Turned Out Okay, excuse me, podcast. Janine lives with her husband and their two children uh, in the Northeast. 
you don't say specifically where. Where exactly are you in New England? In Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. All right. Awesome. And she likes to garden and crochet. Oh goodness. We could do a whole, we could do a whole episode on coping skills for people who want to be a gardener and can't because oh. <laughs> I'm killing mine. <laughs> I say I have, I don't have a green thumb, but what I do, I just sort of like lay it all out there and put things out there and just like cross my fingers and see what happens. <laughs> I don't even know. Like sometimes well, I get well, a pumpkin, sometimes I don't. Like right, exactly. Well, you know, before we get into the coping skills, I just have to say it's been a it's been a rough year for us down here in South Carolina in terms of pumpkins and things like that because we've had a shortage of bees. Oh, and they're not pollinating. And my poor friend was so upset because he even. This is a little bit adult content here. So if your children happen to be listening, you might want to mute your sound right here or something. But he was like, I even had sex with my pumpkins. I went out there and I was like, you did what? And he said, yeah, I went out there. I got, I cross pollinated them. I got the syringe. I did this. And I, I don't even know what all he did, <laughs> but apparently he Googled how to pollinate your pumpkins. And he was like, and I had five little ones. And then your dog, they dog sat our dog your oh. dog stepped on the only one that was doing well and it's dead now too and I was like uh oh sorry uh -oh. so gardening note apparently you can cross-pollinate your own things if there's no bees doing their business but oh good to know I had no idea I had no idea either this is so not having to do anything with coping skills but except for the fact that he needed some coping skills to deal with the fact <laughs> that he went through all that hassle and no pumpkins Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about you. And um, for anybody who has noticed, even though I always do the intro, Aubrey is not with us today. And this is actually going to be a focus of part of our conversation. She is waiting to see the school counselor because you all know her five-year-old Ruby um, and a little girl apparently showed his genitals to her and she apparently told him to put it away or her daddy would chop it off. <laughs> <laughs> sounds very Texas to me. Sounds very Aubrey to me. But apparently other mama is so pissed off. She has actually is trying to press charges against little Ruby. So um, let's talk about coping skills in general. And then we can feed this into how do children handle situations like, because I'm not going to lie. I remember being five years old, about to start kindergarten. All three of the of my best friends in my neighborhood who were my age were little boys because there were no little girls. I remember playing, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> yes. That's totally normal. But, yeah. what, but, but I guess it can get out of hand quickly. Yes. Well, and that becomes, it sounds like when in Aubrey's situation, it's actually not a coping skill that the kids need. It's a coping skill that the parents need. Amen. <laughs> because it's, you know what, they're doing exactly what's developmentally expected at five years old. Right. Like she's going to tell him, please put that away. That is, I don't want to see that because that's okay for five-year-old girls to say. Mm -hmm. And five-year-old boys do sometimes show their penises. Like it just happens. <laughs> <laughs> I have a seven-year-old. I know what it's like. I get it. Like sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Put it away. Like, well, so. uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So it's, it becomes like, well, how, do, how can this other mom deal with her feelings of overwhelm and stress and anxiety and worry that she's having regarding the words that Aubrey's daughter said, which are not bad words necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, she's just trying to make sure that she's okay. It made her feel uncomfortable. So she used her words. <laughs> 
Well, and I have to say in our society these days, kudos to a little girl who's willing to say that is not okay. Right. Stop it right now. Yeah. Um, Because otherwise maybe he thinks it is okay, uh, you know, to do that and to, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that could be a whole nother topic in itself for us to discuss. But, you know, it's interesting that you say that because at at the, uh, about it being the parents who need to um, get the coping skills because when she messaged me and told me what was going on at first, I thought it was, um, she said she was so angry and I was like, and, and she, you know, about the confrontation with the mom and I'm sitting here thinking, okay. And I said to her, I said, just remember, it's totally normal for little boys to right. do that kind of thing. I have a little boy. He probably showed some girl his penis too, even though I tried to raise him right. And, and she was like, no, I'm not mad at the little boy. I'm mad that the mama wants to press charges against Ruby. And I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> what? What is happening here? It's like, do you remember about, gosh, it's probably been about 10 years ago when uh, North Carolina suspended a kindergartner, a little boy for kissing a little girl on the cheek? Yes, I do remember that. I have family in South Carolina. So yes, I do. And North Carolina. So I remember that because I remember we were all sort of up in arms like, are, what are we doing right now? What is our focus? What are we trying to teach our kids? And if you cannot teach your kids to be able to manage a problem and manage a, a, like a conflict, and that is a typical conflict for elementary school age kids, for kindergartners, that's very typical. If you can't manage to figure out how to figure out how to work with somebody without calling the cops, that's a problem because this isn't a cop issue right now. This is just a like, let's figure this out. Let's talk as parents. Let's figure, you know, ooh, that maybe wasn't a smart choice for you, you know, whatever. But it doesn't need to involve the the cop. They have other things to be doing right now. <laughs> Exactly. And I, I'm glad that you were, I, I knew you would be able to weave that back into the coping skills. So, um, you know, what kinds of, what kinds of things then um, would you suggest? I don't know. And, and this may not, I mean, to me, I don't know. I don't remember at five years old, those things even frazzling me. I thought yeah. it was funny. I thought it was a little bit like gross. Um, I thought it was yeah. whatever, but I don't remember being traumatized by that. I look back and I think, Oh, I really wish I hadn't been pulling my pants down. <laughs> it's so funny because I am such a shy, modest person. The fact that I was doing that even blows my mind. Yeah. Um, but, you know, school has just started back. Kids are going to be acting out. Kids are going to be doing things. Uh, my 10-year-old yesterday came home and told me, and he's had some issues with being picked on a little bit because he's super sensitive So throughout the years. So he came home. I got all up in arms about this. My husband was like, you need to chill out. This is not something you need to give him a, a, an, you know, a complex about. But I think it's yeah. probably, you can probably offer some good insight on how um, parents can help kids. I thought it was bullying. My husband thought it was kids just being kids. In a nutshell, they're sitting around their little lunch table and somebody, one of the kids decided to initiate a game of let's decide who we would kick off the island at this table. And everyone voted for who's going to get kicked off the island and they all vote for my son. Obviously, Mama Bear comes out and I'm right. like, why are these kids bullying my son? And that's the way I kind of responded. Whereas my husband, when he talked to my son about it later, he was like, did it make you sad? My son said, yes. And he said, well, it should make you sad. It would make me sad too. But just know that these kids are being jerks and just don't hang out with the jerks. You have other right. friends, go play with your other friends. So I give kudos to my husband. He handled it much better. 
but I would love to hear from a woman who knows coping skills and, and, you know, what, how, how you take those incidences that aren't quite bullying, but are to the edge that are going to make a kid stress out or feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. So in terms of whether it was bullying or not, bullying is such a term that gets thrown around so easily. And there's actually a really specific definition for it. So those kids were definitely being mean, like that, no question. But is it repeated? Is it happening over and over again? And is there an imbalance of power? And I can't answer those questions because I don't know what your son's relationship is with them and how frequent, does this happen all the time? Is this happening? And they are, are they, do they have more power than him in this situation? If there's a group of them and it's, they're going against him, potentially it could be bullying. But I think for it just, if I was hearing that and it was just like a one-time incident, I would say, um, you know, I think your husband handled it really well. Like, did it make you feel sad? And, you know, let's talk about that. Like, right. what are the different things that you can do? How can you handle those feelings of being sad? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to write about it? Do you want to draw about it? Those are some different ways that you can process those feelings. Um, and being able to play with a different person or go sit with a different person, sort of distracting or moving away from the situation. So you don't have to deal with that. Like, he doesn't, if he doesn't have to sit there, he doesn't have to sit there. You know what I mean? He can find a different way. He can talk to a teacher and figure out or talk to a counselor, talk to the lunch people and figure out a different place to sit if necessary. You know, there are different things, that, different ways you can manage it. And I guess it depends on, is he trying to manage that feeling of sadness or is he trying to get away from the situation or is it both? Mm-hmm. And it could be both. It could, he could do both of those things as a way to just cope with that uncomfortable feeling. It doesn't feel good when you're singled out like that at no. all. No. And, and it can take a little time to sort of, you know, sometimes you want to draw about it or rip up paper if you're really angry about it or pop bubble wrap if you're really upset about it. It can really help to sort of do something physical to get that emotion out and get that sad out. It, it makes sense to try and work through it so he can make, but get past that sad because you don't want him to sit with that, you know? Those are such great ideas. I, I would have never even thought about saying, you know what, let's stomp on some bubble wrap. Yeah. Let's rip up some paper. Let's, I want to, actually, we were speaking with another person um, when she was talking about that this wasn't coping skills for stress. It was actually coping skills for um, people who have physical issues. Well, ADHD too, but she does yeah. boxing, no contact boxing. Yeah. Parkinson's and, um, and it's helped her. She's worked with a little girl with CP, cerebral palsy, and it's helped her. And um, I'm, I'm seriously considering getting some boxing equipment because I think that's a fantastic way to, without, and, and I would like your guidance here, without mm. trying to teach my children that when you're really angry, just beat the crap out of something. <laughs> use boxing as a coping skill (laughs) so here's this is so funny because my son actually he's he's into karate um and he asked me to get him one of those like stands where you can fill it with water or sand and you can punch it because he is a physical guy like he climbs he runs he jumps he's oh he's he climbs literally the walls he loves to climb he loves to move his body and that's the way that he can get his emotions out. And he has struggled with his emotions, especially actually around kindergarten. It was really tough. And so I said, yeah, we're going to be able to get you something that you can punch and that you can kick, but we have to make sure that we're using it in a sort of limited way. And that's why I actually love karate because it teaches that 
um, self-regulation, that emotional control with the kicking and the hitting and the, and the punching. There is control to it. There is some sort of boundary to it. And so I think it's just really important to put up those boundaries, like hit something for 30 seconds. That's okay. Hit something for 30 times, like setting some sort of limit so that there's some sort of kind of boundary or control around it, but you're still getting that exercise and that energy out. And I would do that. I had a middle school boy actually years and years ago when I worked in a middle school and he was so angry. I could see him, you know, you can see a kid physically like shivering with the anger. And I took him down to the gym and I put up a mat and I said, go for it. Two minutes. You got it. Just do it. And then you can go back to class and not be so mad at your math teacher. (laughs) And it worked. Yeah, I think in some cases, it's absolutely a great, um, great thing as as long as you know, there are those boundaries. And and I I would love to know, like, how you set those boundaries, actually. So, yeah, so for me, like, I, I try not to make it too long. It depends on a case by case basis, really. And it depends on the kid. Like, I know, I knew that kid in middle school. So I knew that if he went too long, it would make him more angry. Mm -hmm. So I tried to keep it shorter because I knew that it could fuel him if he would continue to punch for a few more than a couple minutes. For my son, he loves numbers. So to be able to say, you can do this 15 times (laughs) and being able to know, it's knowing your kid. Mm-hmm. And being able to use that information to then sort of help you figure out what coping skill to use and how to implement it for them. Uh, that's a great idea. And it's, you know, it's so funny because it's it's just a matter of having a tiny bit of education on knowing what's too far and what's not, you know, what's not enough or what's too much in right. those types of situations. That's great. I wouldn't have thought about, uh, you know, the way I am, I can see myself going out, buying a punching bag, setting it upstairs and being like, just go beat that thing. I don't care. <laughs> just go stop crying at me or whatever, you know, yeah. it's good to know. We should say, you know, two minutes or one minute or. Right. It, and you know what? It always, it changes too. And there's, here's the thing, like, we're not always going to get it perfect. It is just like parenting. It's trial and error when it comes to coping skills. So, okay, maybe five minutes is too long. Maybe 10 minutes is not long enough. You know what I mean? So you try it at different times and see what he responds to and what he doesn't respond to. And then if he's not responding, then you try, you tweak it or you coax it a little bit or you try something different. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody across the nation is finally back in school. The moment we've all been waiting for Labor Day came and went, everyone's (laughs) back in school. Um, What are some of the signs to look for? Because it's stressful. I have one, I have one that's just a stress bucket, like new changes and, and being in a new environment and she, you know, yeah. So it's, it's difficult for her to adjust with change. What are some signs that we can look for that our child is having a difficult time adjusting or is super stressed out about something? And then what are some ways that we can do to help reduce that? Absolutely. So I would, I would say everybody's going to, like you said, everybody's gone back and there's always that like angst of transition. There's that tough time where it's everybody's sleepy and tired and cranky and just not, they're out of sorts. You know what I mean? And they're not, they're not quite themselves, but if it's lasting more than a week or two, if you're noticing changes in their diet, like they're not eating as much or they're really eating way too much, or um, if their sleeping has changed, if they're eating way more than normal, uh, sleeping way more than normal or way less than normal, if they just, if they're complaining about stomach aches or headaches a lot more normal than normal, 
And it's not anything that you can relate to allergies or being sick or anything like that. A lot of times it comes out in somatic ways. So it's that my stomach hurts, my body hurts, my chest hurts, my head hurts. A lot of that, hearing that over and over again for more than a week or two, then it's probably time to reach out to the school and see what's going on. What does the teacher notice? Because teachers have seen a lot of kids and they can say, oh, this looks a little bit different or this is a little bit unusual. And especially as time goes on, when your child has been in their class for a while, they'll also notice and they might reach out to you and say, oh, I have noticed that around spelling, it just is really something is going on and I just wanted to let you know. Um, I'd reach out also um, if your school has a counselor, I, it would be a really great thing to reach out to them and just see what they're recommending. They might be able to you know, check in on the child at school or be able to have them be part of a group at school. Um, and if it's becoming to a point where it's really starting to impact all of their life, like it's, it's making it hard for your child to go to school if they're stressed out, then it's time to reach out for some more professional help. Talk to your pediatrician about seeing a therapist. There's no shame in that. There should be no shame in going to seek out help. People need help sometimes, and that's okay. Right. Yeah, and just being able to talk to somebody who's not your parent or not your teacher, I think, you know, and for a long time, like, I didn't, I know that I needed some help, but I didn't go to see a counselor. I don't know why. I don't know why we have this this whole stigma against going and seeing a a professional and talking, but it was so nice to just go to talk to somebody who was completely unbiased and just let it all out. And there was no judgment. So yeah, it's, I imagine that the feeling is very similar for children too, to be able to say the things that they feel like they cannot, are not able to say to a teacher, to a friend, to a parent. Oh, Absolutely. And I, I will say, you know, for a couple months in kindergarten, actually, and I know he's, he was kind of young, but my son saw a therapist. I'm a therapist, but I knew that it's not this, I'm his, I'm his mom. I can't be his therapist. So we sought outside help and it was really, really super helpful to have somebody else to have him be able to say, I don't like when my sister does this. It makes me really angry (laughs) to be able to hear that. And for him to be able to really know that he could talk about it and he could share and share his inner experience but not be judged for it and not feel like he was going to get in trouble because you know i'm the mom of her too you know so it was really really helpful well that's great and that you said usually a pediatrician can help you or like the school counselor can help you Yep. The school counselor, the pediatrician, actually, if you even go to your um, health insurance website, it'll tell you which therapists are covered. So that's sometimes it can be a little bit easier that way because then you know that somebody's covered or sites like psychologytoday.com. You can look up therapists by zip code. Um, So those are some different ways, but usually a school counselor will have a, a list of at least a few counselors in the area or local therapists that they know that you, they can refer you to. And do you look for a family counselor or are there people who specialize in seeing children only? You know, I, there are people who do family and also people who do child and some people who do both. Okay. And especially when the children are younger, there is a lot of family work involved. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like I see kids, but it turns into also family therapy at some points because it, he's, 
they're not independent and living on their own. They're part of a family system. And when you're an adult, you can talk about your family system and you can, inv you can involve them as much or as little as you want, but you have a better understanding of your family system. When you're little, you're just sort of, you, you don't have that sort of knowledge and you need that, uh, you need the mom or you need the dad or the sibling to sort of come in and explain more of the dynamics of the family and where everything fits, you know? Absolutely. So let's talk about the difference between anxiety and stress in children yeah. and how you can tell if a child's just normally stressed or if they are really dealing with some anxiety issues. So I like to think about stress as more like um, people get stressed about schoolwork or stressed about having too many activities, stressed about, you know, friendships. Those are the sorts of things like those are typical typically developing sort of things that kids can get stressed about. Anxiety becomes, it's more about, it's irrational in all honesty. It becomes, I'm worried about getting on the plane because the plane might crash. I'm worried about this person because they're going to hate me forever and they're never going to be my friend. Okay. It becomes something a little bit more and irrational and people and kids know that they recognize that. Like, I had a little girl and she, um, she was worried about something happening with her mother when her mother went on um, trips. And she knew, like she said, I know that nothing's going to happen to my mom, but my body is saying something's going to happen to my mom. <laughs> oh, poor little thing. So, and she, and I mean, she was a little bit older. She was like a tween at that point and she's a teenager now. So she knew, she knew that there was something sort of irrational going on in her brain. She's like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but this is just what's happening to me. <laughs> they're so funny at that age. <laughs> yeah. Where they're still at the sharing stage. Yeah. They're not, but they're, they're, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's oh, that's, funny. they're hilarious. I love kids because they are, they can be so brutally honest and they have such interesting ways of seeing the world and will tell you in such beautiful ways, you know? <laughs> So and true. I love that. So what, how are, what are some things that we can do as parents if we see that our child is obsessing over something like this that's, that's irrational? Um, and, and at what point do we need to say, okay, this is, I can't help them with this. I need to seek professional help. So I would say if you are seeing your child, try, try and figure out what the anxiety is. That's actually really helpful to see if you can pinpoint what exactly is causing them anxiety. Is it something at school or something at home? If it's at school, is it during this period or this other period? Is it with friends or is it at recess? And that can really help you figure out what then you can do to help. Because what you would do for somebody who's feeling anxious about their mom leaving is really different from what you would do with a person who's afraid that they're going to fail their spelling test and never get into college. Sure. So, <laughs> which are, you know, things that have happened. Right. Um, so it's really kind of helpful to sort of map it out and figure out, okay, is it school? Is it home? Is it, if it's home, is it with certain people? Is it at certain times of the day? Is it at certain days of the week? Are there certain, like, is it a, is it a Monday morning kind of thing or like a Sunday night kind of thing? Cause that also happens a lot. Um, and then try and help them figure out things that they can do to help calm down, de-stress, and relax. So it could be, I think taking deep breaths is huge, but it's really, I, I feel like sometimes it can feel overdone for people like, oh, just take a deep breath. But it really is physiologically important. Your body, when you're anxious, your body's in fight, flight, or freeze, right? And so you're, you're 
everything is automatically overwhelming and your heartbeat is racing and your stomach is clenching and all that stuff. To tell your body to get out of that, you need to take deep breaths because then your body will be like, oh, wait, hold on, stop. I guess I don't need to be panicking right now. Um, <laughs> I'm breathing, I'm breathing. And it's, the, it's getting you back down to that like sort of rest and digest. That's what you want kids to be in, to be able to learn effectively and participate in school and participate at home and do all the things that they need to do. They need to be in a, rest, in a restful place, in a, in a place where they can be calm. So the first thing I always say is try and take a deep breath, but I don't always, I, I, it's hard to say take a deep breath and have a kid do it. So you have to talk about like use, breathing like you have a balloon in your stomach. So breathing in and expanding the balloon and breathing out and blowing out the balloon or pretending like you have um, birthday candles and you're blowing out birthday candles and you're sniffing a flower. So coming up with some different ways to help kids breathe to get them calmer. Just trying different, there's actually, I have um, even shapes on my website. So there's like a triangle shape that you can, the kid will trace it and take a deep breath in and hold it for three and then take a deep breath out. Or there's um, a, a, a square and then there's figure eight, all different ways that kids can help do some deep breathing and using some prompts or using some visuals to just help them do that as opposed to take a deep breath because right. that doesn't help anybody, right. you know? Yeah. It's funny that you say that because there's so many times that we forget that while take a deep breath seems so commonplace to us that sometimes you do have to explain it a little bit more, give more details to them yeah. because they don't really know what you mean. <laughs> no, because a lot of, if, if kids have never done it, they're like, oh, oh, I'm like, you're going to hyperventilate. Yes. Oh my goodness. So you have a workbook, the coping mm -hmm. skills for kids workbook. What all is in that? And uh, who's it for? Sure. So it's for elementary school age kids. So kids from kindergarten to about grade five or six. So five to 11 or 12. Um, and it's a book that actually parents can use that um, older kids can read by themselves or counselors or therapists can use. And in the book, I have 75 coping skills that kids can try. So I always want kids to have a big toolbox of different things that they can use because different coping skills will work at different times for different emotions and in different situations. So I always use the example of laying down and taking a nap. That can work perfectly at home. It will not work in the middle of math class. Right. So you need to come up with something else that will work at school for you. So I have in there um, a checklist of all of the different coping skills that are listed and some room for, other, for people to add in their own, just to, to give kids an idea of what things do I already do? What things have I not thought of trying? And what things do I know not work for me? Like, for instance, some kids have tried yoga and they know it doesn't really work. So they just cross that one out. And the coping skills are divided into four different categories. So there's calming skills, skills that will help kids get calm, physical skills, kid, um, skills that will help kids get their energy out, like punching a punching bag, like we talked about earlier, or doing something like wall push-ups or jumping jacks. Um, there's also processing coping skills, so ways to help them process through their different feelings. Um, there's actually a stress map in there to help them figure out where their stress is, um, different levels of stress, and learning about different levels of feelings and that sort of stuff. And then there's also distraction. 
And so, and I include distraction. I know sometimes people will say, well, should you distract a kid from those emotions? And I say, sometimes you need to. Mm -hmm. If your grandma is sick and in the hospital and you've done everything you can and you've visited and you've done everything, sometimes you just need to be distracted from it. You can't, you, and you, kids can perseverate and it makes it really hard to focus to do anything else if you're perseverating. So then it's a great time to use a distraction. Listen to music play a board game, make up your own game, play with a friend, start a garden, do all these different things that you can do to keep your mind off of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds, is that, a, is that a free book or a paid book? It is a paid book, yeah. Yep, yeah, there's a digital version for 25 and then there's a print version for 26.99. Okay, sounds like a fantastic book and one that all guidance counselors at a minimum should have and definitely, definitely in the home as well. Okay, so we are coming close to the end of our time, but I would just love to hear some of your, you know, basic best tips for moms who may be dealing with a child that's stressed or has anxiety or or anger. We didn't even really talk about yeah. Anger. I'd love to talk about anger for a minute. Yeah, um, I think one of the best things that you can do is be able to actually just start with talking about feelings, mm. um, to be able to let them know all feelings are okay. There's no bad feeling. Anger is fine. Anger is good. It's what you do with that feeling that matters. So you can't punch people when you get angry like that. You're going to get in trouble. You know, things are going to, it won't go well for you. Let's come up with a healthy, safe way for you to express your anger. Maybe that is ripping paper. Maybe that is punching a punching bag or punching a pillow or squeezing some Play-Doh. Sometimes kids just need that physical squeeze of something to get that out, you know? Um, so it's all about trying to figure out what will work for your child. So I had a really angry kindergartner and we tried a lot of different stuff for him when he was going through and having a really difficult time. So we would try, you know, something new one day and then it didn't work or it did work. And then we'd, you know, sort of build an ad onto those things. So I would say, try don't be afraid to try something and see what happens with your kid and see how they respond to it. And if they don't, it's okay because there's always something else new to try. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So, um, and my final question is actually for adults. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that kids can often process whatever it is that we are going through. So obviously, I mean, without having to have an entire therapy session or figure out some things, what are some ways that you can suggest if we see our kids directly starting to get anxious or stressed or angry because of our own um, emotions in a a situation, like what are some things that we can do to remember to kind of does, does it make sense what I'm asking? Like if I'm super stressed and I can see that my kids are getting super stressed out, how do I manage that? <laughs> so honestly, it becomes a matter of self-care, which is a big part of what I talk about. I have a Facebook group and I do a lot of talk about self-care in there mm-hmm. because it's one of those things. We care for our families. We care for our clients. We care for our students all day long. And we often forget about ourselves. And it's so important to model for our kids, to model for our clients what to do. So I will say to my kids, I am so stressed out right now. I'm going to take a break to, and to be able to say it and to, to sort of know, monitor, self-monitor to know, oh gosh, I'm getting really stressed out. 
it is okay to be stressed. It is okay to feel angry. It is okay to feel sad. What can I do now? And so you can actually verbalize that. I have said, I said that to my kids. My kids were on vacation 95 days this summer. It was the longest summer vacation ever. And I, I got stressed and I was like, guys, we're going to Ikea because I am stressed out and you love small lands. So I'm going to walk around and I'm going to have my coffee and you're going to go to small land and have a great time. And I will be better in about an hour. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's so true. And I think it's funny. We used to always end the, um, the episode with asking, um, especially moms, what they do to get in me time. And we yeah. stopped doing that. And I think we should bring it back because- yeah. Self-care is so important. And I think that's one of the things where you can just go off the handle if you're not. And it's always surprising to me how many people say, well, I don't, I don't really take time for me. I don't really do these things. And then we'd give them a hard time because we're like, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before your kids. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But it's one of those things we, it's just sort of falls by the wayside because you've got so many other things going on and it feels like, well, if I take that time for myself, it's not it's wasted almost, I think people feel like, and I understand that feeling because I've done that too. Right. But I find I'm a better, more everything. patient person. Yes, <laughs> yes I'm a better everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I can do more when I take that time. When I decide that I'm just going to watch Netflix for the evening and not do any work and not do this or not do that and not check email, I have more energy the next day. Right. To be able to be with my kids and not be frustrated and annoyed and aggravated within 10 minutes, you know? Absolutely. It's so true. So other than taking your kids to small land at, at Ikea, then <laughs> let's bring this question back. <laughs> what is your favorite way to get me time? So if I'm at home just by my, just um, at home and I can't get out, we, which you, we all have been there, like there's a sick kid and you just, or you're by yourself and there's no way to get out. I like to, once the kids are in bed, I like to watch Netflix and crochet. So I will just binge watch a show and work on a uh, project. And if I can get out, I love the gym. I love Zumba. I love exercise classes. I love weightlifting. I love getting my body moving. It makes me feel so much better. So when I can, I do. Well, that's awesome. Well, I have really enjoyed speaking with you and I, um, I'm just going to throw it out there because I know she has so many good resources out there at um, copingskillsforkids.com. Um, where else? You mentioned a Facebook group. Is that, a, is that open to everybody or is that a special group? Yeah. Um, you can um, request to join and it's open to anybody who requests to join and I haven't said no to anybody yet. <laughs> um, so it's just the Coping Skills for Kids group. Okay. Um, it's on Facebook. So, um, and it's just a great, it's a, it's a place where we try and focus on coping skills and then also self-care every weekend. I post something about self-care in there and it's actually, that's a way that it keeps me accountable that I need to do some self-care. If I'm going to be posting about it and I write what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for all this information and, um, for what you do really, because gosh, it's an important, it's an important thing that doesn't get enough attention. I don't think I've been a huge mental health advocate and I really feel like we have a long way to go in recognizing how important it is for our kids. And so, yeah, thanks for all that. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for all your free resources. And yeah, it's amazing. Good stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.